right, you guys want to open up your book to page 25, 25, okay, read the, read the chapter title, take a deep breath, <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you up front where we're going tonight so that we can begin to uh, process, process it and um, jump in when it's time to respond, so I prayed, I sought the Lord, I know this topic is sensitive, um, and so I want to be led by the Spirit, uh, but also I want to help create an atmosphere where it's safe, where people feel like they can, uh, you know, respond to the Lord and not be judged or criticized, but uh, so I do feel like the Lord is calling for an altar call uh, by the end of the night for those who are struggling with this. Um, so hopefully by the end of the, this teaching, you know, the tension will be down a little bit as far as, you know, responding and someone may look at you, etc. But hopefully along the way, um, I can help maybe deflate some of those things. Is that all right? Is it okay to smile on this topic tonight? Um, what else was I going to say? I'm going to say something. This is for mature ears, so if there's children in here, it may not be best for children at this time. I don't see any, but just putting that out there. Um, humility is really important tonight, okay? It, has anyone never struggled or never had a lustful thought in their life? Please stand up. If you've never. Okay, so we're all on the same page, right? You guys came to the right place. We're going to start together. Here. We've all wrestled with this. There is, a, um, there is a difference, though, between struggling with something and then sinning in something. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm resisting. I'm battling this issue of lust and sexual morality. But I don't want to be living in this. I don't want to be committing the sin of lust and sexual morality. So it's okay to struggle. It's okay to resist. But it's not okay to sin in this. So I want you to, um, you can open up your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit... Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and Lord, I pray for your grace tonight. Father, I pray for your spirit just to begin to move upon our hearts. I pray for freedom. I pray for the power of the cross, the power of Jesus to be released tonight. But I pray that we would all humble ourselves before you, Lord, that we would consider this topic tonight and be right with you and to be right with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. A brother named Kenneth Weiss says there's three types of man upon the earth. There's the unsaved man, there is the carnal Christian, and there's the spiritual Christian. <clears throat> so to my knowledge, everyone in here is, or maybe to my knowledge, I don't know, but you're saved, 
you're a believer, so that knocks out the first category. But the second category, he says, there's the carnal Christian. This one is saved, but they live a carnal lifestyle. They're led by the flesh. And sometimes led by the Spirit, but mostly led by the flesh. Then there's the spiritual man who's led by the Spirit and not so much led by the flesh. My journey in overcoming the issue of sexual morality, I had to be confronted with, I'm carnal. When I was struggling with sexual morality, I had to say, you know what, Brandon, you're, you're carnal. You're not as mature, you're not as further as long as you, you think you are. I had to even start confessing, I sin because I want to. I sin because I like to. That's pretty hard to say. That's pretty hard to come to terms with that, Lord, I just committed that sin. And you know what? Something in me liked that. Something in me wanted to do that. But in me actually being honest with myself and honest with the Lord and humbling myself, it put me in a right position to cry out to the Lord. And I, and I begin to cry, Lord, like, I don't want that to be okay in my heart. I don't want to want to do that. I don't want to like that would you help me Lord to turn from this and so we are hopefully by the grace of God tonight going to go from a carnal man or woman to a spiritual man or woman but in talking about lust and sexual morality there is something deeper okay so this is just maybe the fruit of the root something deeper what's really within our hearts that may cause us to turn to lust and sexual morality is this issue in our heart of intimacy, of we want to know and to be known, we want to love and to be loved, and we want to, we want to see and be seen. We want, our hearts, we want our hearts to be filled with pleasure. And that's not all bad. That's actually good. That's from the Lord, that He created our hearts that way. It turns bad when we turn to the wrong things to fulfill that longing. And so all of us, God created us. He put a longing within us. And so some of this tonight, I want to speak to that longing to stop suppressing it. Usually when we suppress this stuff, there will be an explosion. Think about if you're in a, in a pool and you have uh, the little beach ball and you just hold it underwater. Well, after a couple hours or minutes or however strong you are, you get kind of tired of holding it, so you let go and boom, it pops up. It's the same thing with sexual desire and sexual intimacy, is that if we suppress it, if we act like, oh, I don't have a longing in my heart to be married, I don't have a longing in my heart to, to know and to be known, to see and to be seen, to love and to be loved, I'm good, I don't need anybody, there's going to be an issue that's coming your way. I want to read uh, what Mike Bickle says. He wrote a book called Seven Longings of the Human Heart. It's really good. Anybody read this? Of course, Justin and Rachel, you guys read this. <laughs> he says, intimacy means so much more than, than a physical union. It is the empowering confidence people have in one another that allows them to share the deepest parts of their hearts, their hopes, their dreams, their fears, and their failures, their feelings, and their frustrations. I want to read that again. Intimacy means so much more than a physical union. 
It is the empowering confidence people have in one another that allows them to share the deepest parts of their hearts, their hopes and dreams, their fears and failures, their feelings and frustrations. He says a chapter earlier, or a couple pages earlier, he says, The human heart craves intimacy. Therefore, the enemy seeks to exploit this by bringing us down many avenues that offer a counterfeit intimacy, which in turn brings shame. The irony is that when we accept what the enemy offers, we minimize our chances of experiencing real intimacy. So most of us, all of us, the enemy has exploited the longing that the Lord has put in us for intimacy. He's, whether, whether he's spoken to us, whether he's you know, put some type of image, pops up on our phone or whatever relationship you may be in, the enemy will do whatever he can to exploit the longing God has given you so that you live in sin, so that you live in shame. Hello, Adam and Eve. <clears throat> so the first part here, though, I do want to talk about the, the positive side of this. So most of the times we talk about you know, sexual morality and lust, it's usually negative. Um, But I I did want to hit the positive aspects of this. So the first section there, sexual desire and its rightful place. So there is a place for this, okay? I want to encourage you um, to find leaders in your life to to talk to about this stuff. Don't suppress it. Number one there, sexual desire, it is from God, okay? He created you and me with this. Um, The desire for sexual intimacy, that's not unnatural, Okay, that's natural. Okay, male or female, I'm a male. God put a desire in me to have sexual intimacy with a woman. That is natural. You're not weird. You're just not an alien. You're a normal human being. Is that okay? Okay, and if you're a female, God created you with something in there. To where you, it's okay for you to, to desire to have sexual intimacy with a male. That is natural. All right? The world will tell us otherwise. Number two, it's for marriage. It's really important, okay? It's for marriage. So I remember several weeks ago we had the elders panel. I encouraged married couples to talk about their sex life. That's a good thing to do. Number three, sexual desire. It's a gift to be given away. The culture in the world says it's something that you steal and take away from others. But the Lord says, no, it's it's from Him, it's for marriage, and it's a gift you give to your spouse. So if you're single, do not give this gift to anyone else. And do not let anyone take it from you. Number four, it requires self-control. This is huge. Like any gift from the Lord, self-control is key. Any gift from God can be exploited if it's out of control. We need self-control. Isn't self-control a fruit of the Spirit? Isn't that somewhere in your Bible, or is it just mine? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, and number five, it requires timing. Okay, it requires timing. So if you, you have a longing in your heart and you're single to be married, we just encourage you, it requires ti- uh, timing. So it's okay to acknowledge that and then put it on the shelf and let the Lord 
deal with that, okay? You don't have to force it, make it happen. God's timing is way better than your timing, okay? And I got a word of encouragement here for those who are single and those who are waiting. Where are all the single men and women at up in here? Let's go, okay? Yes. I did not forget about you in writing this, all right? So those who are single, number one, face the loneliness, okay? Feeling lonely, keyword feeling lonely is real, but you do have a friend. You have a friend. His name is Jesus, okay? He wants to be your friend in this. Let me read real quick John 15. This is really good, what he says to the disciples. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. The context of, the friend, of friendship with Jesus is that he's saying, I'm going to tell you everything the Father's told me. So he wants a friendship with you where every, everything's open. You can talk about anything with him. You really can. Talk to him about everything. I remember we were talking to the youth group, and Allison was sharing part of her story. You know, as a young Christian, she would write in her journal about, like, her pimples growing up to Jesus. I mean, but that's, that's, that's good. Like, talk to him about everything. Don't leave this issue off the table and say, Lord, I talked about everything, but this right here, I'll leave that for other people to talk about. No, no, talk to him about this. Okay? Face it. Number two, embrace the season. A good friend of mine said, you need to work while you wait. So you're in a season of waiting upon your spouse. Okay, you got some stuff to work on. I, I just remember, let me encourage you, when I was single, I thought I was holy. I thought I was good, and I got married, and all this stuff just pops up. Okay, so work on your stuff. Number three, resist the lies. <clears throat> I wrote down six lies that I, for you who are single and waiting on the Lord. Number one. Is, here's, where's one lie? Without a spouse, you'll never be complete. That's a lie. Number two, you'll only be satisfied when you have sex or find sexual release. That's a lie. You'll finally be happy when you find your spouse. That's a lie. The reason you're single is because there is something wrong with you. That's a lie. It's too late for you to find someone, so you might as well settle. That's a lie. And the last one, this is God, you being single is God's punishment for messing up relationships in the past. That's a lie. So as you're waiting on the Lord, the devil is going to tell you lies. Your friends may make a joke about something, and it kind of cuts you. Okay, resist the lies. And number four, be, I said this earlier, be honest about the longing. Be honest about it. Don't suppress it. If you suppress it, there will be an explosion in your life. Do not suppress it. I would encourage you to talk to leaders about this. I've been meeting with some of the young adults, some of the guys, and I just ask them, how is it your longing for sexual intimacy? We, let's talk about it. Get it out there. So find some leaders that you trust and talk about that. That would be really good. And, um, but just remember, in talking about this longing, ha having sex is not the answer. Okay? The Lord 
He is the one who will fulfill the longing of your heart. Because you get married, you have sex. Okay, great. You can still feel empty. You can still feel lonely. You can still feel unwanted. You can still feel unloved. You can still feel not seen. All those things are still real. I, I still have to fight that. Lord, I'm seen, I'm known. So you need that truth in your life. Flip over to the next page. So just for clarity's sake, talking about lust. In our culture today, lust is a bad thing, but in the Bible, lust is not necessarily bad unless it's coupled with like evil desires or evil lust. But let's look at this definition. The, to desire earnestly, would gladly have to long for, to be so overcome by some passionate desire that you completely give yourself over to it. The sin of lust is the act of lusting after what is not yours, that which God has not given to you. This sin leads to giving yourself over to that which is not supposed to control you, evil, sensual desires. So when you lust about a man or woman that doesn't belong to you, that's sin. The Lord did not give you that person. They do not belong to you. You cannot do that. Sexual morality. This is illicit sexual intercourse outside the confines of marriage. This word includes all sexual activity. Everyone say all sexual activity. Outside of marriage, including adultery and homosexuality. I remember when I did youth ministry, the kids would always ask me, like, how far is too far with, you know, kissing, making out with your girlfriend? And I would say, well, can you kiss her and not lust after her? They're like, uh, no. Okay, then guess what? You can't go that far. So if you can make out with your boyfriend, girlfriend, and not lust, you're good to go. But I highly doubt you'll be able to do that. Just going to put it out there, okay? All the married couples like, amen, brother, you're right. You're right. <laughs> the sin of sexual immorality is the act of having sex outside the covenant of marriage, resulting in becoming one with the person God has not given you. Words like prostitute and porn uh, pornography stem from the word pornea. I remember what Barry said uh, when we went through the Conqueror series months ago, but this issue of lust and sexual, sexual immorality has neutered the body of Christ. And then you hear stories of, you know, Ravi Zacharias and some of these guys, Carl Lentz, and this issue was in their life. And I remember the Lord reminded me, Brandon, if you want to keep yourself from this, then anytime you lust, then you need to call it sin. Call it what it is. Don't say, oh, brother, you just need, it's okay, man. You know, we all stumble, we all fall, you know, we all sin. It's okay to do that. He's like, don't do that. Call it sin. It's sin and repent for it. But what we do is we take a look, we take a glance. Oh, it's okay, you know, not a big deal. And then we take a longer look and a longer glance, and all of a sudden we feel the pull. And like, man, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually frustrated in life. I just need some release. And we just keep getting closer and closer. 
But call it sin. Call it for what it is. <clears throat> so Kenneth Weiss, I mentioned him earlier. Um, he, he has a, uh, some commentaries. and He talks about this, this thing. He calls, he calls it trench warfare. And so we read the verse earlier in Galatians 5. Um, this, this, the, the flesh lusting against the spirit, the spirit lusting against the flesh. And he paints a powerful biblical picture of what this war is like. We have the old man, pre-Christ, sinful nature, old man, whatever you want to call it. Now we have the new man, Christ in us, but there's this war that goes on. And we're going to read this italicized part at the bottom of page 20. Before we do that, I mentioned in this part here too, you know, <clears throat> Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they say, you know, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He tells them he's going to be crucified. And then Peter's like, no, Lord, may it never be. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And he goes on to say, for you are not mindful of the things of God, of the, you're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of men. And that phrase is interesting that the devil, he's actually mindful of you. He's extremely mindful of your flesh. He will do whatever he can just to give you whatever you want to help satisfy your flesh. He's mindful of you. And so we think things are coincidence that, you know, I had a rough week and all of a sudden, you know, I remember a pastor told me one time some lady half naked, knocks on his door, and he's single, and he opens the door, and she opens her blouse, and like, what the heck? The devil is mindful of you. He really is. He thinks about you. How can I help them satisfy the craving in them? How can I appeal to that old man? How can I do that? And he'll set up something really nice for you. But let's look at this part here. Kenneth Weiss paints this picture. Bottom of page 26. The flesh has a strong desire against the spirit. The word against is from a Greek preposition which literally means down. The idea is one of defeat, suppression. One could render the sentence, the flesh has constantly a strong desire to suppress the spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in the believer is twofold. Namely, to put out of the life and to put sin out of the life and to produce his own fruit. The fallen nature, flesh, has a strong desire to suppress the Holy Spirit in the work of his office. But the Holy Spirit has a strong desire likewise to suppress the fallen nature, the flesh, in its attempt to cause the believer to obey its command. They are contrary to one another. The word against speaks of a permanent attitude of opposition toward each other on the part of both the flesh and the spirit. The picture in the Greek word is that of two opposing armies, each digging a system of trenches for the purpose of holding the land they have and con conducting a trench warfare. They have dug themselves in for a long, drawn-out contest. This contest is going on all the time in the heart of every child of God. It continues until the death of the believer. The Holy Spirit is the divine provision for victory over sin, so that you may not do the things that you would desire. 
The part the Christian must play in this trench warfare is found in our previous verse, namely, to be constantly determining his every thought, word, and deed by the leading of the Spirit, yielding to him for the energy to act in the premises. So you see the picture. The lust of the flesh, the deceitfulness of the flesh, and the things of God, the new creation in Christ. And there's a battle going on. I mentioned, I, I introed service with this. <clears throat> One of the primary keys that I've learned over the years in overcoming this was, is found in James, where he says to submit to God. Where I actually submit to God, the longing of my heart, the desire for sexual intimacy, I submit it to him first, allow him to fill me and to touch me deeply, and then I begin to resist the devil. But what we'll do is that we'll be so empty of the things of God, and we'll go out and fight the devil, and all of a sudden he puts something a little enticing out there, and we just give in to it. We don't spend time with Jesus all week, and then he comes knocking on the door, and we just give in to it because we're so empty. There's nothing in there's, there's no satisfaction. There's no pleasure in our hearts for God. There's none of those things, and we're empty. And so the devil says, try this. This will help. And we do, and then we are in shame, and we realize how stupid it was. But then we don't go back to the Lord and allow him to fill us. He really is the answer. There's no secret formula. There's no, this is not like super hard mathematics. Jesus really is the answer, but we have to turn to him. He will fulfill the longing in your heart for sexual intimacy. Before I go over the bottom part, overcoming the deceitfulness of lust, I, I asked um, Stacy uh, to share. So if Stacy can begin to make her way up here. So she has a pretty raw and honest testimony she's going to share tonight. And ho I'm hoping that this will help us turn and respond to the Lord as we... Um, Tissue. Ladies always need the tissue nearby. Right? Isn't that true? But I'm asking all of us tonight if we can all walk in humility. Stacy's coming up. I don't know if she's, you haven't shared this publicly before you said she has not. So she's being vulnerable tonight. She's helping lead the way in this. And so I'm asking if this is something you are this is sin you're living in or something that you are really struggling and it's defeating you, tonight is the night where we are with you, okay? They're, gonna, they're not going to do all the praying. I felt like tonight as well will be a, a night where we practice what James says, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. And I'm not asking that you get into all these details of this and that. I'm asking you just to confess your sin, so that we can pray for healing over you. But I'm going to let Stacy share, and we'll, we'll just see what happens. I'm just going to pray if that's okay. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity tonight, Lord. I just ask that you would dwell in this place, Lord. I just ask that you would help me to articulate your heart, Lord, and I would just get out of the way, Father. And Lord, I just ask that hearts would be wide open tonight and vulnerable and honest, Lord, and that you would be able to do your mighty work, Father. 
in the name of Jesus. So, it's kind of a big deal for me. (laughs) So, David and I were radically saved uh, in 2001. And for 20 years now, I've been really comfortable, really, really comfortable in stepping back behind his powerful testimony because he's got a powerful, powerful testimony. And so I've been okay with standing behind his testimony as raw as his is. Uh, And I've been okay with sharing I'm the daughter of an alcoholic, right? I've, I've been okay with that. But the truth is I've got my own really raw and big testimony story that I have to now, 20 years later, let the Lord set people free through me as a vessel. So my testimony that I'm going to share is a little bit um, different than what Brandon's talking about. It's on the other side of things, where I was a vessel prior to being saved to invoke lust. And so um, I've always been very, very comfortable with um, the persona, right, my identity as being a nurse, my identity, you know, in different things that I find my identity. But the truth of the matter is, um, before I was radically encountered by Jesus, (laughs) I'm so grateful, um, I, in nursing school, was presented, and I was in nursing school, I was a nursing assistant, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I was presented with an opportunity to work at a gentleman's club to pay for college quickly. And um, I became what you call a showgirl. So you can probably imagine what that would look like. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail with that, but that was something that Monday through Friday, an hour away in Lincoln, Nebraska, I was a nursing student going to nursing school and then and, and a nursing assistant caring for people. And then on the weekend, I literally was a showgirl bearing my evoking lust. And so that is a really crazy lifestyle if you're not familiar. And these, um, these women are in a lot of bondage. And even then I can see the Lord's, I know I said five minutes, sorry. <laughs> even then I can see the Lord's hand on me because the owner of the club had tremendous favor upon me for some reason. And he didn't place me with the other women. He placed me upstairs by the office. And so I was always spared, like a lot of the really crazy stuff that went on. Um, drug scene, huge drug scene, a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. And so I say all this to say, fast forward 20 years later, in ministry, all these years, I hold this thing. (laughs) I hold this thing because it's shameful. It's so shameful. And I, I would play over my mind how disappointing that was to the Lord. I would play over my mind that I was a homewrecker and like feel like I have a scarlet letter. 
truth of the matter is that wasn't me. Like, I don't even know who that person is, you know, when I think about it now because I'm so regenerated and I praise God for that. I praise God. But the shame is just immense. So when we're talking about getting free from, from lust, right, no matter which side of it you're on, you're on the side I come out of or you're on the side where you're, you know, willfully, you know, struggling with that or, you know, it doesn't matter what side of it you're on, the shame that comes with that is paralyzing. And if you don't allow the Lord to just do a mighty, mighty, mighty work with that, and that's what I'm still walking through, and I thank you guys for helping me with that and allowing me, um, he's going to, the enemy is going to keep, keep you paralyzed, and, and not, we're not going to walk into our full purpose and our full calling for the Lord, you know, with all the walls down and everything that he wants to do. So that's the place I want to be. That's the place I want all of you to be, you know, and so um, I just, I just want to encourage that if, if there's that thing, right, like I just shared, there's like, I'm going to share everything, but Lord, you can't have that yet, that's been me for 20 years, like, I know the blood covered it, I know all the things, right, but that's just still going to be in there, because I can't, I can't go there, I can't, look at that. And also, too, as a nurse, like, we have the ability to kind of, like, dismiss things because it's a coping mechanism, you know, especially, like, if you're in critical care and patients are crashing, you have to be able to, like, dismiss that. So I feel like that's what I've done. Like, we're just going to dismiss that and we're not going to go there because the shame is too hard to bear. So we're just going to keep carrying it around and I don't want to do that and I don't want you guys to do that. So, as we're talking about this tonight, I just want to ask you to search your heart, and I'm going to pray, if that's okay. So, Father, I just come to you right now with my soul for wide open. And we just ask, Father, that you would search every heart here. And if there's that one thing that's just too shameful, the one thing that we're holding on to, Lord, I just ask that your gentle love would just come over us, Lord, and give us the strength, Lord, to lay it down and not pick it back up and receive your healing, Lord. It's okay. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be vulnerable. And it's okay to receive the healing and just get set free. So, Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your mighty work, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on. Stay up here. Stay up here.
Okay, so if, if um, the, all the deacon couples could kind of spread across the room here, and you can, you can play just a little bit of music. <clears throat> so here's what, um, here's how I'm asking you to respond tonight, if you are feeling led to do that, is that we are here to help pray with you, okay? We're not, in a sense, going to pray, like, for you in, in your place, this is part of growing and maturing is that you have to take responsibility. And what Stacy did, she took responsibility. So just to help you out here, as you're praying, as you're confessing, this is repenting. You're repenting for the lust of the eyes. You're repenting for the lust of the flesh. You're repenting for the pride in your heart. You're repenting for idolizing self-gratification, idolizing pleasure, repenting for any of those acts that you've committed, and you're also going to renounce the lies. You're going to renounce the lies that you're, you're only satisfied if you commit sin. If I just only do this thing, then I'll finally be satisfied. Nope, that's a lie. Whatever lies you've been believing, renouncing those. And then you're going to embrace the truth. So you're going to repent, confess sin. You're going to renounce the lies you believed. And you're going to embrace the truth that Jesus is all that you need. He's everything. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. That's what Stacy found out. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. So if we could all stand. And if you would like one of us to pray with you, just go ahead and make your way towards whomever. We, there are some in the back as well, but just begin to make your way to whomever. And we're going to pray with you. Um, if you don't need prayer, can you be praying for those who need prayer? We want to encourage, we want to strengthen, and I felt like I mentioned earlier, we need to be bold about this, okay? We're going to be mature, we're not here to judge, we're not here to criticize, we're here to help, we're here to set free, we're here to bless brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus, so find whomever, and we will pray with you.